Love Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. Or you can send messages to the show on Twitter at go for again. You also can sign into our chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. We can chat it up, talk it up, and have a good old time. Good shows uh, lined up for you today. Expect to be joined by former Monmouth quarterback and now NFL draft prospect Kyle Frazier. And we're going to talk to Kyle as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. Kyle had his pro day the other day, uh, this week actually, and uh, we're going to talk to him about that and talk to him about his preparation for the upcoming NFL Draft. Also, we're going to be joined by Mick Hennessy, promoter for heavyweight contender Tyson Fury. Uh, Tyson Fury has a big bout coming up April 20th against Steve Cunningham, and this is his opportunity to show America what he's all about, to show America that he is for real. But we're going to talk to his promoter, Mick Hennessy. We're so, we were supposed to have Tyson Fury, but that didn't work out. But we are going to talk to his promoter, Mick Hennessy and talk to him about the upcoming fight against Steve Cunningham and talk about Tyson Fury as he's coming across the pond now to New York City, Madison Square Garden, MSG, the mecca of boxing. We're also going to be joined by our TV insider, Brian Sheriff, and we're going to talk to him about what to watch this weekend. What are we watching in this weekend in sports? I mean, so many things on this weekend, the Heat with their big-time winning streak, March Madness, WBC Baseball. I mean, a lot of things to watch this weekend, and we're going to talk to Brian Sheriff about what to watch this weekend. I'm going to start now in the NFL, NFL free agency, hot and heavy. You know, a lot of moves being made. It came up Tuesday at 4 o'clock, and from there it was just bananas. It's still bananas. It's still going crazy. It's going to die down a little bit. Starts out fast, starts out heavy. It's kind of like a... You know, Christmas shopping in a lot of ways. I mean, Black Friday, you go out there, and, and everybody's out there waiting in line, trying to get this one and that one and all these various gifts, trying to get deals, so on and so forth. But And that's kind of what this thing is. And then it kind of dies down a little bit, dies down a little bit. And that's what this NFL free agency is all about. But, I mean, a lot of different moves being made today, I mean, uh, today, yesterday, in these past couple of days. And the, the funny thing is, before I get into some of the moves and everything, you look at this whole situation and, and you look at the NFL. I mean, the entity the NFL is. I mean, the, the NFL, in a lot of ways, is funny. I mean, we should be talking about championship week in college basketball. That's what we should be talking about. But you know what? When the NFL, when free agency was uh, with free agency in play this week, we're talking about free agency, and we're taking away all the headlines from college basketball. We're talking about free agency. The NFL 
I mean, we're not even in the NFL season, and we're talking about the NFL like we're in season. I mean, that's the power of the NFL. I mean, it's the NFL and everybody else. It's the NFL and every other sport. I mean, the NFL is head and shoulders in terms of popularity in the United States. The NFL is head and shoulders above anyone and anything else in the world of sports. I mean, we're talking about championship week. It's championship week going on, and the NFL is getting all the headlines. We're talking about NFL football. Not college basketball. We're talking about NFL football, and football ended, what, about two months ago. And we're still talking about it. We are still talking about it. But let's talk about some of these moves and some of the movers and shakers in the NFL. The thing about it is, you know, you look at it, and everybody's talking about the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, you know, you lose Paul Kruger. You lose a Darnell Allaby. You lose an Anquan Bolden. Well, you trade him away to San Francisco. I mean, Ed Reed is in Houston. He didn't sign with the Texans, but he is in Houston. And he has actually left Houston and without a deal. So maybe Ed Reed will ultimately go back to the Ravens. But the Ravens lost some things. You lose Kerry Williams. You release a Bernard Pollard. I mean, you lose the Ra- Ravens lost a lot of pieces to their championship team. But the thing about it is this. Here's the thing. Reality is, anytime you have a level of success, people are going to want your players. That's just the, You can't keep everybody. You have success, you can't keep everybody, and people are going to want your players. That's just the bottom line. They're going to want your players. They're going to want your players. They're going to want your coaches. They're going to want various parts of your organization because your organization was successful. So people want success. And when you have a team like the Ravens that had success and ultimately won the Super Bowl, of course, of course, you're going to have teams around the league wanting to get at their players. That's just the reality of the situation. The reality is you can't keep everybody. You can't keep everybody. So because you can't keep everybody, somebody's going to have to go. And you're going to have to prioritize. And you're going to have to figure out, you know what, which one am I going to keep? Which one am I going to let go? Well, they decided that Anquan Bolden, they were going to let go. Basically game away for a six-round pick to the 49ers. Game away. And he was, you know, Anquan Bolden, you know, we, we talk about Joe Flacco and what he did during that playoff run for the Ravens. But Anquan Bolden was just as big. I mean, Anquan Bolden caught four touchdown passes, and everything Joe Flacco threw up, Anquan Bolden caught. I mean, he, he was dominant against the Colts. Played well against the Patriots. Played well in the Super Bowl. I mean, he had a big-time run in these playoffs. He was arguably their best receiver. He was arguably their best receiver. And granted, he's getting a little older. He is getting a little older. Maybe that cap number is a little too high for his age. Maybe it is. But you gave him away. You gave him away. LRB signs a big deal with the Dolphins. Kruger, a big deal with the Browns. 
And again, you can't keep everybody, but I know the Ravens wanted to keep Ellerby. They wanted to keep him. Young linebacker. They wanted to keep him. But you can't keep everybody. You can't keep everybody. You have to prioritize. You have to figure out, you know what, which guy should stay and which guy should go. And the thing about it is this. I mean, <clears throat> we can look at some of these moves. The Bears did well bringing in a Jermon Bushrod, bringing in a Martellus Bennett. We can talk about those moves. The Lions bringing in Reggie Bush. The Dolphins getting a Mike Wallace, getting an LRB. You know, the Broncos getting Wes Welker. I mean, we can talk about all these things. But you know what? Championships are not won at this point. You know, if we were crowning teams for what they did in free agency, the Redskins would have been, uh, you know, they they would have been champions for, for a lot of years in a row because they always were the free agent champions. You know, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, the dream team of two years ago, bringing in Namdi, Colin Jenkins, Vince Young. We're sitting here talking about this Eagle team uh, a couple years ago. Uh, they were the dream team. They were, they, were the, 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 they were a team that was going to be big time. They were Super Bowl favorites. And then that team over these past two years was 12 and 20, including 4 and 12 last season. So the reality is championships are really not won in free agency. They're more so won in the NFL draft. you got to draft well. You gotta draft well, and teams that draft well, like the Ravens, they have drafted so well over the years. The Ravens have drafted very well over the years, and that's one of the reasons they've been such a success over these years. That's one of the reasons they made it to the playoffs five straight years, including a Super Bowl title. That is one of the reasons they draft well. The Forty Niners, one of the reasons they are. In the position they're in, they drafted well. You know, getting a guy like Colin Kaepernick, who really, really did a big-time job with your offense, who really, really picked up your offense, bringing in an Alden Smith. You know, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, they drafted well. So winning championships in the NFL doesn't happen with the, because of free agency, it happens because of drafting well. And the Ravens have drafted well over the years. The Giants, a team that has won a couple of Super Bowls over the past few years, they drafted well. Jerry Reese did a great job putting those teams together. He drafted well. He drafted well. Don't get, always get caught up in the big splash moves. Don't get caught up in... in, in Mike Wallace and, and uh, Ellerby, don't get caught up in those big moves. Look at those smaller moves, the smaller moves that, that put teams over the top, those moves. I mean, Seattle, you got to look at Seattle and say, you know what, Seattle did some things. Maybe they gave up a lot, too, a little too much for Percy Harvin, but he is a playmaker. You, give a, you add another playmaker to that offense. And then you add a Cliff Averill. You add that guy to the mix. So, you know, you got to look at them and say, you know what? And what I mean by them, you got to look at 
the Seattle Seahawks and say, you know, maybe they had a good offseason. I don't know. I don't know, but I know this. Championships are not won with free agents. It's not. And unlike the NBA in a lot of ways, you know, you you can bring a guy in and he may just not fit your system. Or, or you know, that player is better suited to play in this type of system in comparison to that type of system. And that's why he had his success, because he was in this system. You put him in this type of system, he's no good. You know? So you got to look at that. You got to look at that. But you look at uh, – I'm going to look at the Eagles as a team who who I really like the moves – that they made. I really like the moves that the Eagles made in this offseason. Well, thus far in free agency, I should say. I like the moves that they made. I really do. I mean, you know, you you bring in a Kerry Williams who had a very good year for the Baltimore Ravens a year ago. You bring him in. I like that move. I like that move. Bringing in a Kenny Phillips. You know, granted Phillips had some injuries last year, but, I mean, the thing about him is, you know, you look at the Eagles secondary, it was a mess. The Eagles secondary was an absolute mess last season. Namdi was a mess last year. The secondary, the safeties. I mean, you watch Eagles football, and I watched a lot of Eagles football last year, but you watch some of those games, and each and every time you're seeing guys running free. Guys running free left and right, and then, you know, players just looking at each other and saying, what happened? What happened? How'd that happen? What's going on? Is that your guy or my guy? I mean, you saw so many breakdowns with the Eagles last season in the secondary. So many breakdowns with the Eagles. So many. So they needed to do something. And granted, you look at the Eagles, their biggest weakness was defense. Offense, yes, they turned the football over. Offensive line wasn't that great. But guess what? Jason Kelsey's coming back. Jason Peters is coming back. Todd Harriman is coming back. So that that should be better. The offensive line should be better. That should be okay for the Eagles. But you look at that team, the Eagles. The issue was on the defensive side of the football. That was the issue for the Eagles. And then, you know, so they attacked it hard. Sopalaga, Isaac Sopalaga from the 49ers, coming in as your nose tackle as the Eagles are preparing to move to that 3-4 defense, bringing in a Patrick Chung, bringing in a uh, Kenny Phillips, bringing in a Kerry Williams, Connor Barwin, bringing him in. And granted, you look at his season a year ago, numbers were down. I mean, 11 and a half sacks in 2011, 2012, Connor Barwin comes back now with only three sacks. Did you ever pay for Connor Barwin? Or was it a situation where he just had a down year? It happens. Was it just a down year for Connor Barwin? We'll see. We'll see. But I really like what the Eagles did in terms of trying to upgrade their defense. I like what they did in terms of trying to upgrade that defense. They did a great job of, of just trying, just trying to upgrade that defense. 
and, and doing what they got to do to make that defense better. That defense was bad last year. It was bad. It was bad. So Connor Barwin now comes in, comes in now with the Philadelphia Eagles, and maybe he makes an impact. But that's why you bring him in, obviously, to make an impact. Six years, $36 million for Connor Barwin. But the Eagles, I like what they did. You know, a couple of years ago, they went for it. And we know with how they went for it with the Dream Team. They went for it. And in going for it, guess what? They struck out. Vince Young wasn't good as a backup. Namdi was bad. Namdi was supposed to be Revis-like, and he was bad over the last two years. Jason Babin, you bring him in. You got one good year out of him. After that, the following year, he was no good. Colin Jenkins didn't really give you big-time production. But this time around the Eagles, maybe they, they, they felt like, you know, it got burnt last time going after the big guys. We got burnt. Last time, going for big guys. And so, because they got burnt last time going for big guys, maybe they decided, you know what? We're going to take a different route. Let's get some solid guys. Let's get some solid guys. Let's get some mid-level free agents. Let's do that. Let's do it that way. Let's do it that way. And... Maybe that's what that's their thinking this time around. But the reality is they're just trying to build up that defense, a defense that was bad. That defense was bad. It was a bad defense. It was a bad defense a year ago. I mean, teams were having so much success against that Eagles defense, so much success. But you had – what they already added thus far, Bradley Fletcher, they brought in Kerry Williams, Patrick Chung, Kenny Phillips, Isaac Sopalaga, Sopalaga, excuse me, Connor Barwin. I mean, you add what you added with those pieces in this offseason, and maybe, you know, to go along with that offense that the Eagles have, we know the weapons they have on the offensive side of football, and maybe Michael Vick, you know, he becomes a big-time weapon in this uh, Chip Kelly-style offense. Maybe Michael Vick turns things around, and, and who knows? There are weapons on the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles, and they can if they solidify that defense, who knows? Who knows? And I'm not saying the Eagles are championship contenders at this point, but what I'm saying is in the NFL, it's so topsy-turvy. I mean, from one year to the next, you don't know who's even going to be in the playoffs. That whole thing changes year in and year out. We don't even know who's going to be in the playoffs. It changes so much. It, it really does. I mean, you look at last season and some of the teams that were in the playoffs in comparison to who was in the playoffs in 2011, you look at who was in the playoffs 2012. I mean, Detroit made the playoffs in 2011, didn't make it in 2012. New Orleans made the playoffs in 2011, didn't make it in 2012. I mean, so, you know, we're looking at the Giants. Made it to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl in 2011. And guess what, in 2012, what happened in 2012? Well, the Giants didn't even make the playoffs. So it's such an up-and-down thing. You never know what could happen from year to year. 
You never know what could happen from year to year. One year, you know, there are a whole bunch of different teams in the playoffs, and next year, it's different. So you don't know. You don't know. So what I'm saying is, am I saying the Eagles are championship contenders? I don't know. No, I'm not saying they are, but you never know in the NFL. So much parity. And the reality is in the NFL and and baseball and, you know, these over the past few years, you, you can argue that the best team really didn't win the Super Bowl or win the World Series. You could argue that the hottest team won the Super Bowl, won the World Series. The Cardinals, the, the Giants, the past two uh, World Series winners, they were hot baseball teams coming into the playoffs. You look at the Giants, you look at the Packers, hot football teams. Look at the Ravens a year ago. They were all hot football teams going into the playoffs. So it wasn't necessarily who was the best team, because I, I thought the Packers were a better football team than the Giants a year ago, to be honest with you. I thought the Broncos were a better football team than the Ravens a year ago, to be honest with you. But that, that don't matter. The, the, the reality is, when it was money time, Joe Flacco was big. When it was money time, Eli Manning was big. So we can argue that maybe those other teams were better. We can argue that maybe the Packers were better. We can argue maybe the Broncos were better. But the reality is, money time, Eli was big. Flacco was big. Also in free agency, Wes Welker found a new home in Denver. Wes Welker finds a new home in Denver. And the Patriots quickly replace him with Danny Amendola, who many believe is a Wes Welker clone, if you will. And Amendola, over the past few years, has not been bad, just can't stay healthy. Hasn't really been the, the pillar of health over the past two years. I mean, missed most of 2011 and was banged up throughout 2012. So the thing about it is, you know, you look at Amendola, 63 balls, 666 yards, three touchdowns last year. That's in 11 games with the Rams. You would think, I mean, going to the Patriots and, and being with Tom Brady, that those numbers are going to go up if he can stay on the field. But you look at the Patriots. You look at Wes Welker. You look at the Patriots as a whole. This organization is like this. It's Brady and Belichick, and they find a way to, to, to fill in everybody else. But that, that's the only constant. Brady and Belichick. Everybody else, hey, we can, you're replaceable. The only two things that haven't really been replaced is Brady and Belichick. Seymour has been replaced. You remember, remember many years back, Lawyer Malloy and how they got rid of, rid of him. And, you know, a couple few people in that locker room weren't happy about it. But the reality is they won. They still won. The Patriot way is it's about the team. It's Brady and Belichick and the team. But the reality is, no one gets big. No one is it's the team. You think Brady wants to keep Welker? Probably. But guess what? Belichick is in control. Belichick is in control. And just like I'm looking at Amendola's numbers, and I'm expecting those numbers to go up, You look at, and I'm basing that off what I saw from Wes Welker when he stepped in to the Patriots system. I mean, his best season – was in 2006 with the Dolphins, 67 balls, 687 yards, and a touchdown. Kind of numbers kind of similar to what Danny Amendola put up last season, 63 catches, 666 yards, 
three touchdowns. Numbers are kind of similar there. The numbers are, 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 are similar. Walker, 2006, 67 catches, 687 yards, one touchdown. Amendola, 2012 with the Rams, 63 catches, 666 yards, three touchdowns. But what happened once Wes Welker stepped into a New England Patriots uniform? Well, I'll tell you what happened. 2,712 balls, 1,175 yards, eight touchdowns. 2008, 111 balls, 1,165 yards, three touchdowns. 2009, 123 balls, 1,300 yards, over 1,300 yards receiving, four touchdowns. 2010, 122 balls. Excuse me, yeah, 122 balls for Welker. No, 2010, 86 balls. 2011, 122 balls for Welker. Close to 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns in 2012, 118 yards. 118 catches, excuse me, 1,354 yards, six touchdowns. So when Welker went with Brady in the New England Patriots, those numbers went up. The numbers that Welker had and the numbers that Amendola had before they stepped into that Patriot uniform are very similar. Am I predicting big things for Danny Amendola? If he can stay healthy and he's with Tom Brady, sure, why not? Why not? He's with Tom Brady. He's with the best quarterback in the world. Welker didn't do too bad himself. He's going with Peyton Manning in Denver. He's going with Peyton Manning in Denver. So if you're going to leave Brady, probably not a bad idea to go to Manning. If you leave Brady, going to Manning, last I checked, isn't a bad thing. It's kind of like leaving maybe Holly Berry and going to, say, uh, Lauren London. I mean, there's not much of a drop-off there. You can argue that, you know, Holly Berry, there's nobody like Holly Berry. You can make that argument, and it's probably a legitimate argument. But the reality is, going from Brady to Manning is uh, is not a bad thing for Wes Welker. And he's still with a championship contending team. But the Patriot way, they do things their way. And the reality is no one is bigger than the team is Brady and Belichick and everybody else. Brady, Belichick, and everything by everybody else. That's two constants. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. It's just the Patriot way. It is what it is, and who can argue with the success the Patriots have had over the years? I can't. You can't. None of us can't. None of us can argue with the success that the Patriots have had over these past few years. And more NFL free agency news. The Minnesota Vikings now signed Greg Jennings, which I think is a good move for the Vikings. They bring in a Greg Jennings now in Minnesota, you know, to replace Percy Harvin. I think that's an upgrade on some level. I think that's not on some level. I think that's an upgrade. That's a better wide receiver. And Greg Jennings, he could do more than Percy Harvin. He's a little more durable than Percy Harvin. Harvin, excuse me. But bringing in a Greg Jennings now, the Vikings 
have Greg Jennings and now Greg Jennings is going to play his Packer team two times. And Jennings did have some injury issues in 2012, missed eight games. But he was his numbers from 2008 to 2011 were big time. He put up big time numbers, high touchdown numbers, 12 touchdowns in 2010, uh, nine touchdowns in 2011, nine touchdowns in 2008. So we're not sure what the numbers are at this point, but I think it's a good deal, a good deal for, for the Minnesota Vikings to get a Greg Jennings. And now Greg Jennings is going to see his team, his former team, I should say, two times. He's going to see him twice. So that's a good thing for him if he wants to get a little revenge against his Packer teammates, his former Packer teammates. But Greg Jennings now is a member of the Minnesota Vikings. And going back to the Patriots, the Patriot way, Brady and Belichick and everybody else, well, Danny Woodhead, who was another and everybody else, he is now signed on with the San Diego Chargers. So they lose Woodhead. Woodhead is now a member of the San Diego Chargers. Again, Brady, Belichick, and everybody else. But he goes to the Chargers, two-year deal with the Chargers. And Woodhead has put up some decent numbers with the Patriots, but, you know, he played with Tom Brady. So let's see what happens once he's with somebody else or another quarterback other than Brady. But he signs with the San Diego Chargers, two-year deal for Danny Woodhead and another guy leaving the Patriots. Remember, Brady, Belichick, and everybody else. Now, as I said earlier, Ed Reed did go visit with the Texans. No deal with the Texans at this point, but they are they will continue to talk. Ed Reed now, will he go back to Baltimore? I mean, the Ravens now, you, you lose Ray, Ray Lewis to retirement, to ESPN. You lose all the names that I mentioned, Williams, Ellerby, Kruger. Now it's a possibility that you're going to miss Ed Reed, the anchor of the back of your defense, your safety, your big play safety. So Ed Reed now possibly could be moved on. But I, I can't, you know, we've seen all these, we're seeing all these moves, and maybe at this point, maybe you could say the Ravens, could take a step back. But the reality is it's still early. And also the reality is Ozzie Newsom drafts well. The Ravens as an organization drafts well. They make good decisions. They make very solid and sound decisions. You have to make solid and sound decisions in order to win, to have the type of winning that the Ravens have had over these years. You have to be sound. You have to be sound in your drafting you have to be sound in your, your your free agent pickups. You have to be sound in who you let go. You have to be sound to have the type of success the Ravens have had over the years. And they have had a ton of success. A ton of success. A ton of success over these years. And how about Elvis Dumerville and the the Denver Broncos? You know, they, they were working on the contract and they didn't get the contract fixed or they didn't rework the contract in time. I mean, Duberville's salary was $12 million this year and was going to be guaranteed at 4 o'clock. But he agreed to take a pay cut. But, but, 
the team did not get his restructure contract in time. They got it at about 4.06. So they got it at 4.06, and because of it, the Broncos were forced to release Elvis Doomerville. And because of this mistake now, the Broncos now, they're going to take a hit. They're going to take a salary cap hit of $5 million because of this mistake, because of not getting the paperwork in in time. They missed the deadline. They missed the deadline. So, I mean, that's crazy how things happen. That's crazy how things happen. But the thing about it is now, Doomerville probably will not be a member of the Denver Broncos next season. Probably will not be a member of the Broncos next season. Maybe they can work it out. Maybe they can. Maybe they won't. But at this point, because of the salary cap implications now, he probably will not be a member of the Denver Broncos. Probably not. Maybe they can work it out. Maybe they can. Maybe they can't. Hopefully they do. Hopefully they do. But I doubt it, especially with the salary cap implications. With the salary cap implications now, I don't think he comes back. And he had a fairly good year. I mean, 11 sacks last year. So we'll see if they can work it out. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. The NFL draft is around the corner, and this particular man is preparing for the upcoming NFL draft. Let's bring him in now, former Monmouth University quarterback Kyle Frazier. Kyle, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How about you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And, Kyle, your pro day was this week, March 12th. First of all, were you happy with your performance at your pro day? Overall, I was uh, very happy, actually, with my performance. I thought I went ahead and tested well, and uh, I definitely thought I threw the ball well to to the uh, receivers that were there. Now, going into this pro day, what did you feel like you needed to show scouts and GMs around the league? One of the things I definitely thought I needed to show was uh, how I could, how I, how I was able to go from under center because in college I'd been in the shotgun the whole time, so I needed to show them yeah. that I could go ahead and be under center and do drops. And that's something that I've been working on and uh, just trying to get back to doing because um, I did it when I was younger in high school. So it's something that took some time to get back used to, but I think I'm used to doing it now. Now, how many teams were at your pro day? Uh, we had two teams there. We had the, the Jets and the Saints. Okay. Did, did you get any type of feedback 
from those two teams or any scouts there? Uh, yeah, I actually talked to the Jets guy afterwards, and he said that he would be in contact with uh, either my agent or myself within the next two weeks after, uh, from the day of the pro day. Okay, okay. So you you felt good after that? Definitely. I felt really good. I felt like I performed well, so um, I was excited about the way it went. Now, you were at the regional combines a few weeks back. How did things go there for you? Uh, at the regional combine, I thought I performed all right. Um I think it was more, uh, you know, I, I was a little bit more comfortable on my pro day than being at the regional combine because there were so many okay. kids there. But okay. at my pro day, I just felt, you know, comfortable with the guys that I had been playing with. They were there. and There was less people there and just a place where I was more comfortable at. Okay. We're talking to former Monmouth quarterback Kyle Frazier as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. Now, Kyle, Talk about the pressure now that you may have felt going into the combine and even going into your pro day. Talk about the pressure. Um, well, I knew I needed to perform well. This is to get into the NFL has always been a dream of mine, and uh, I knew if I had a good performance, I think I had a shot. Just because throughout the season we probably had uh, twenty to twenty-five teams come to our practices and watch, okay. um, you know, practice and film and stuff on on myself and some of the other kids on our team, but. Um, I just knew I needed to perform well, and I felt like I was able to do that. Now, I, obviously, Mom is a small school. Do you feel like since you're coming from a small school that you kind of got to go above and beyond to prove yourself to scouts and GMs around the league? I think there definitely is that uh, feeling in it because, you know, I'm not from Alabama or some school like that where, you know, you have such recognition, but – Monmouth has had a few guys go to the uh, league. We have Miles Austin, obviously, who's with the Cowboys, um, and another guy who's on the Bills right now, uh, Chris Hogan, who plays wide receiver. So we've had a few guys go to the NFL. Um, but I, I think that it, it, it takes more to impress them coming from a uh, smaller school like Monmouth. Now, have you reached out to any of those guys? Um, actually, I've seen a few of uh, the former players that who are – in the NFL right now. I was actually training with Jose Gums, who's with the Chiefs right now for a little bit, um, working up to my pro day. And I saw Chris Hogan um, a few days or a few weeks ago, um, and I had to ask him about an agent and just trying to get in touch and seeing, trying to figure out what the whole process was um, to get some of their insight on it. Now, you played at a small school, and many people may not have seen you play. For those who have not seen you play, Describe your game. Um, I think I'm definitely a very accurate passer. Um, I would also say I'm a great leader on the team. I was a two-year captain. Um, I take pride in, uh, you know, my accuracy and the way I perform on the field. So I just think that my biggest attribute that I bring to the field is my leadership and uh, the way I throw the ball, which is pretty accurate. We're talking to former Monmouth quarterback Kyle Frazier as he prepares for the upcoming draft. Have you heard anything in terms of where you may go? Will you have to take the free agency route? Have you heard anything about that leading up to the draft? Um, I've talked to my agent about it, and some of the other scouts had talked to my coaches, and they said that I would be a free agent guy who would hopefully you know, get an invite to a camp. And um, that's just you know, what everyone has said, so I'm hoping – I can at least get an invite to a camp and, you know, showcase what I can do. Now, what what is the one thing that you feel like you need to work on to be successful on the next level? 
Um, I would probably say just adjusting to the speed um, of the next of the NFL because I thought coming into high school, getting adjusted to the college speed was it took it took a while just because it's a lot faster. But you know the guys in the NFL are a lot bigger, stronger, and faster. So that's something that I definitely need to uh, get adjusted to as well as the mental mental part of it. Because um, being a quarterback, you're out there running the whole offense and doing stuff like mm-hmm. that. You got to know the whole playbook. Um, but definitely, I would say a men- the mental part of it is something that um, I would I would probably need to work on. Now, take us through a typical day for you now as you prepare for the NFL draft. Take us through a typical day of Kyle Frazier. I will. Right now, I, I would probably wake up in the morning, go in, uh, get some treatment with the trainers. Uh, and I would go ahead and run with our strength and conditioning coach, and I would throw with him and uh, a couple of the wide receivers out there. And after that, go out, get lunch, come back, and I would get a lift in. And then after that, I'd go to class or just uh, go ahead and get some more rehab in. Now, Kyle, on this show, we like to play a game called Getting to Know You. I want to ask you a few questions, few questions, excuse me, so we all can get to know you a little better. You ready to play? I'm ready. Who is and who was Kyle Frazier's favorite NFL team growing up? The Philadelphia Eagles. A man after my own heart. A man <laughs> after my own heart. That was tough last year. Very tough. Yes, it was very tough. Very tough. But I do like some of the things back. that they I do like some of the things that they did thus far in free agency. I do. I, but we'll I see. Too. Who was Kyle Frazier's favorite player growing up? Uh, Brian Westbrook. Okay, B. West. Yeah. Small school guy, small school guy. Yep. What's Kyle Frazier's favorite pregame meal? My favorite pregame meal would actually probably be Chipotle. Okay, okay. Any specifics? Just a chicken burrito, that's about it. A, a chicken burrito will get you right and ready for a big-time game, huh? Yep. Last one. What music or artist does Kyle Frazier listen to before a big game? I listen to a lot of country, actually. Okay, okay. Just kind of relaxes specific... me before the games. Shadaisy, uh, uh who? Um... Probably a lot of Kenny Chesney, um, stuff like that. All right, so Kenny Chesney before a big time football game. Did you listen to a little? Did you listen to a little Kenny Chesney before your pro day? I actually did. Um, Driving to my pro day, I had it on the Pandora station actually, so I was listening to that a lot. So it got you right and ready. I think so. I think it did. <laughs> well, you had a big-time performance there, so it had to get you right and ready. Now, yeah. Kyle, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Kyle Frazier on Twitter? Um, my name on Twitter is Kyle Frazier 10. Kyle, it was a pleasure talking to you. Fans, please, please go support this man. Follow this man on Twitter at Kyle Frazier 10. Kyle, Pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck with this whole process, and let's do it again. Thank you. It was good talking to you, Paul. Likewise. Take care. All right. Kyle Frazier, former quarterback, Monmouth University, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. And he's probably going to have to take the free agency route. That's what he's probably going to have to do. But you know what? 
I've said this before, and I'll say this again. Success isn't easy, and not everybody can play in the NFL. So making it to the NFL is difficult. It's hard. But the reality is, the reality is anything worth having is going to be tough. It's going to be hard. And he's coming from a small school. So he's going to have to, he's going to, have to prove it even more to everybody. Prove to everybody that, get, you know what, I can play on this level. I can play on the NFL level. But we'll see what happens with Kyle Frazier. And, again, we wish Kyle Frazier nothing but the best of luck moving forward as he prepares, again, for the upcoming NFL draft. Should be interesting. The draft is always a fun thing, and it's always a fun time of the year. And then, you know what? I said it before. I'll say it again. The draft is what separates teams. The draft, not free agency, is what guys do during, what teams do, I should say, during the NFL draft that sets teams apart. That's what, you know, the I said it before, the Ravens, how they draft. The 49ers, how they draft. The Giants, even, how they draft. These drafts are what set teams apart. That's what the draft does. It sets teams apart. And the NFL draft is coming up, and it's right around the corner. I want to switch gears now to the NBA. And the funny thing is, and talk before I get to the NBA, again, this is championship week in college basketball. And the reality is we're not talking. We're not talking college basketball as much as we're talking NFL free agency or as much as we're talking the Miami Heat. Now, if you're the NBA, you're loving what's going on with the Miami Heat. You're absolutely loving what's going on with the Miami Heat. Because here's the thing. All the star power, D. Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, all that star power. And guess what? All that star power now is on a 20-game win streak. And guess what? Everybody is watching. Everybody is paying attention. If you could pick one team in the NBA, if you're David Stern, one team to go on a 20-game win streak, it's the Miami Heat. Their star power is second to none. It's second to none, the star power of the Miami Heat. LeBron James, arguably the best player in the game. D-Wade, arguably a top ten player in this league. Chris Bosh, arguably one of the better power forwards in this game. Arguably. So I look at that and I say, you know what? If I'm David Stern and I could close, if I could pick one team to be on a big-time winning streak, it would be the Miami Heat. And the Clippers, they were on a big-time winning streak earlier in the season. But here's the reality. Did any of us think that the Clippers actually could get to 33 wins in a row? Did, did, we, did any of us think that the Clippers would win, could win 33 games in a row? None of us did. Do I think the Miami Heat could win 33 games in a row? They can. Will they? I don't think so. Do, would I like to see it? Sure. Why not? But I don't think it could happen. I mean, let's, let's, let's kind of put this in perspective. The Heat have won 20 games in a row. Now, in order for them to equal the market of 71-72 Lakers, guess what's got to happen? The Heat still have to win 13 more in a row. 
13 more games in a row. Put that in perspective. 13 more games in a row they have to win. They have to win 13 more games in a row to equal the mark. That's hard to do. That is hard to do. And I I, I predicted that this streak would end Sunday in Toronto. That's where I, I looked at their schedule last week, and I said to myself, Toronto is probably where it's going to end. That's just what I thought. Do I want it? To, do I want to see it end in Toronto? No, I actually want to see them at least get closer. I want to see them at least hit thirty. I think it'll be great. I think it would be real. I think it would be a great thing if the Heat can get to at least thirty. You look at their schedule. Their schedule now. I mean, they're at twenty now. The next ten games. To get them to 30. At Milwaukee tonight, winnable. At Toronto, winnable. Boston, winnable game, but tough. At Cleveland, LeBron returns to Cleveland. That's going to be interesting. That would be an interesting one if the streak is still going. LeBron and Cleveland with the streak still on the line. You know how motivated the Cavaliers will be, even though Kyrie Irving is out for three to four weeks, and that, that could damper some things. But do you know how motivated Cleveland would be? to win that particular game. Not saying they would, but you know the motivation they would have there. But that's a very winnable game Winnable game for the Heat. The, the Pistons at home, the Bobcats at home, two winnable games. Orlando at Orlando, very winnable. At Chicago, tough one, but winnable. And at Charlotte, a lot of road games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven road games. Seven out of the next ten games are on the road. That's big. That 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 makes getting to thirty tough. That makes getting to thirty very, very tough. It really does. It makes getting to thirty tough. And I said ten I said seven out of the next ten. Eight actually out of the next ten are on the road. Eight out of the next ten are on the road. And, again, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Cleveland, Detroit, Charlotte, Orlando, Chicago, New Orleans, all beatable, all winnable games for the Heat, all very winnable games. San Antonio, at San Antonio, that's when it gets tricky. A lot more tricky than than the other games. But if they win that particular game, then they're at 30. They can equal the mark of 33, April 6th, against the Philadelphia 76ers in Miami. And they could break the mark at home against the Milwaukee Bucks on April 9th. We are kind of getting ahead of ourselves because, again, you're talking about a team who has to still win 13 more games in a row to equal the mark, and a team that has to win 14 more game, 14 games in all to break the mark. That's not going to be easy. That is not going to be very, very easy. It's just not. It's not going to be easy. Now, again, can the Heat break the mark? I think they can. But will they? No, I I think this is an unbreakable record. I really do. 
I think it's an unbreakable record. I really do. 33 games in a row. I, I, I don't see it happening. I, I just don't see it happening. Because the thing about it is, you still, I mean, they're at 20 games. You still have to win 13 in a row. So much good has to happen for you in order for this to happen. You have to stay healthy, eh? You have to stay healthy. It's hard to stay healthy for 33 straight games. That's pretty hard to do. You have to stay healthy. And the thing about it, you wonder, and I'm looking at this streak, and if I'm Spolster, if I'm Riley, I don't know if I necessarily want my guys to break this streak because you look at it, how much is it going to take out of this team to, 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 to mentally the physical is always going to be there, whether, you know, the physical is always going to be there, but the mental grind of, of having to win night in and night out in order to keep the streak alive, that would be the interesting thing to me. And that is something, if I'm Spolstra, if I'm Pat Riley, that's something I say to myself and I say, you know what, I kind of want this streak to end. I, want, I, I, don't, I don't want to see my guys chase this streak. because, And, and I'm talking more so because of the mental grind. Not necessarily the physical grind, the mental grind. The physical grind is going to be there. It's the mental grind of, of the pressure of having to keep the streak alive. And, you know, the, more, the longer the streak goes, the more people that are going to be talking about it. And it's going to be something everybody have to talk about a lot. But you look at this Heat team, they're kind of used to having a lot of media around them. They're, they're used to, I mean, they're the Heatles, as many have called them. They're used to this type of thing. They're used to this type of thing. They're used to this type of attention. And I look at this team, and again, if there's any team in the NBA that can win 33 games in a row, it's the Miami Heat. LeBron James is LeBron James. And you could have a situation, you know what, LeBron James has an off night, but Dwayne Wade gets off. You could have that type of situation. Or... You can have a situation where Dwayne Wade is off and LeBron gets off. Le- LeBron goes off. LeBron, Dwayne Wade is having a horrible game and LeBron has a big-time game. You can have that type of situation. So you can have it where, okay, the pressure is not on any of those two guys in, in a lot of ways because in a situation, there could be a situation where any of these two guys can take over a ball game. These two guys, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, at any point, at any time, can take over a game. So you can have a situation where LeBron is, is stinking up the joint and Dwayne Wade is getting off, and vice versa. And that's why, and that's how the streak can continue. And that's why 33 games is possible. Again, do I think it happens? No, I think it ends in Toronto on Sunday. I I really hope I'm wrong because I don't want to see this streak end. I want to see this thing continue to go on and on and on. I think it's great for basketball. And again, if I could pick one team if I'm David Stern, one team, one team, if I could pick one team, that I want to see have a big-time streak, it's the Miami Heat. 
Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, you got some Lakers, former Lakers players saying, you know what, they can do it. Gail Goodrich said, you know what, and, and these are his quotes, I'd say this. I'd say this is the most serious challenge we had to our streak. I think they're, they make a very, very serious run at our record. They might even break it. They're head and shoulders over the rest of the NBA. Who's going to beat them? There's not as much parity in the league now. But both of these guys want to keep this record. Both of these guys want to keep this record, Bill Sharman and Gail Goodrich. He was the coach of that team, Bill Sharman, and Gail Goodrich was one of the stars on that team. They both want to keep that record, and why not? These guys are older. You know, you always want to keep your name out there. Why not? I don't blame them for wanting to keep their name out there. Why not? But I think, you know what? I think they're safe. I, I really do think they're safe. They're safe. I don't think there's, they're, they're going to have to worry about it. I really don't. I think they're okay. I really do. And I believe that when it's all said and done, that the Miami Heat will not break the record. And it will end Sunday against the Raptors on St. Paddy's Day. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. I could be wrong. I may be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, because I don't want to see the streak end. I want this thing to go on and on and on. I want them to break the record. Why not? I want them to break the record. I want them to break the record. And if there's any team in the NBA that could do it, it's the Miami Heat. This was a 41-year-old record, 41-year-old. I think it's going to be 42 after this. It's not going to get broken, folks. I mean, you just have to be too good for such a long period of time, and you have to be healthy during that time that you're good. That's a lot to ask from anybody. That's a lot to ask from anybody. So as far as I'm concerned, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. There's always possibilities in life, of course. Life is full of possibilities. Anything is possible. That's why you live your life. Anything is possible. Anything can happen. I just don't see it happening. I'd be stunned if the Miami Heat won 33, 34 games in a row. Heck, I'd be stunned if they got to 30. That's 10 more games in a row. 30 is 10 more games in a row. That's a lot of games. That is a lot of games. And so with that being said, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very, very difficult for the Miami Heat to do it. But again, if there's any team in the NBA that can do it, not only this year but moving forward, it's the Miami Heat because of LeBron James, because of Dwayne Wade. And we talk about LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, but when talking about them, we forget about Chris Bosh, who's still a very formidable power forward in this league, who a lot of teams will, a lot of teams will love to get their hands on Chris Bosh. He's a very good power forward in this league, very good. He says he's a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. 
Who knows? Win enough rings, put up enough numbers, very possible. Very possible. Very, very possible. But we talk about Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. But in talking about those guys, we forget about Chris Bosh. And we saw how important Chris Bosh was to this team last year when he went out. Almost cost him. Almost cost him against the Indiana Pacers. But when he came back, he solidified the team. They were a better team. And the reality is Chris Bosh is very important to the Miami Heat. Very, very important. Very important player for the uh, for the Miami Heat. And don't forget about this guy. Chris Bosh was 20-10 in 2008, 2009, 2009, 2010. He was 20-10. So let's not sleep on Chris Bosh. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. On the way in this hour, we're going to be joined by a promoter for Tyson Fury, heavyweight contender Tyson Fury. We're going to be joined by Mick Hennessy, and Mick is going to talk about the fight. Tyson Fury has a big fight upcoming against uh, Steve Cunningham, which is going to be a big fight. Big fight for Tyson Fury as he comes comes over the, over the pond to the United States, to Madison Square Garden, to the mecca of boxing, which is MSG. So he's going to come on over. To the book, come on over and show us what he's all about. And last guy, you know, you saw David Price a few weeks back. He got dropped by Tony Thompson. And we were talking about all, all the big things about him and all the hype about David Price, and he was dropped by Tony Thompson. But we're going to talk to Mick Hennessy and get his thoughts as Tyson Fury has a big fight against Steve Cunningham April 20th. On NBC, national television, boxing's getting back on national television, which is always a good thing for the sport of boxing. So we're going to talk to him. Also, we're going to be joined by our TV insider, Brian Sheriff. And uh, we're going to talk about what to watch this weekend, what is on. Of course, a lot of college basketball. Of course, the Miami Heat going for that win streak. Of course, the WBC. We saw last night, you know, you you saw that Dominican team. I mean, they were really, really into that ball game, and they were really hyped. About that victory, you saw Reyes after he slapped that single out there. He was celebrating. He was really, really into that game. And maybe, maybe the WPC ultimately could catch on. Maybe it can. We shall see. But we're going to talk to Brian Sheriff about what to watch this weekend in the world of sports on TV. But also, and we didn't get to this last week with Brian, but there was something on TV that, you know, we didn't talk about. But Bernard Hopkins, I mean, 48-year-old Bernard Hopkins. You know, this guy doesn't get old. I mean, this is a 48-year-old man beating up a 31-year-old man. I mean, that's that's just unheard of. If I got was in the streets and got beat up by a 48-year-old man, I'm a 37-year-old man. I, if I got beat up by a 48-year-old man, I wouldn't step outside ever again in life. Never again in life. You wouldn't see my face. 
I'd be walking around with a, with a veil on. I mean, you, you would never see me again. You would never see my pretty face ever again if I got beat up by a 48-year-old man. But, I mean, the things that Bernard Hopkins does, I mean, he's 48 years old and beating guys. You know, we're not, we're not talking about tomato cans. I mean, he's beating formidable guys at the age of 48 years old. That's amazing. That's amazing. 48 years old, and you're still beating up on guys 31 years old. I mean, I guess you could say theoretically, maybe Bernard is old enough to be his dad if Bernard was a dad at 17. I mean, he's old enough to possibly be the father of Tavares Cloud. But give Bernard Hopkins a lot of credit. I mean, you could argue that Tavares Cloud, yes, was made to order for Bernard Hopkins, a guy that likes to move straight ahead, straight forward. But the bottom line is this. I don't care who you're fighting. I don't care what's the style of the guy. You're 48 years old. If you're 48 years old and you're able to beat up a 31-year-old, to me, that's impressive. I don't care who it is. It's impressive. So kudos to Bernard Hopkins. He broke his own record as he became the oldest guy to win a championship two years ago. Well, when he was 46, and now he's 48, and he's beating up on guys in his 30s again. If I got beat up by a 48-year-old, I would never show my face again in life. And with that being said, I will never challenge Bernard Hopkins to a fight because, again, I know what he can do. I've seen what he can do. I know I've seen what he can do. I'm not messing with Bernard Hopkins, and we'll see what happens with Bernard Hopkins moving forward as he continues on his journey. He said he might even fight till he's 50. You know, you get you get scared. I get scared watching guys at that age, fighting, you know, box. I get scared about that because, you know, it just, you you get scared. You get scared because you just don't know anything can happen in the ring, anything. Anything can happen in a sport of boxing. Anything can happen in the ring. Anything can happen. But we'll see what happens with Bernard Hopkins moving forward. And, Going back to the NBA, Dante Jones, Kobe Bryant, we've heard it all. Kobe Bryant had a severe, severely sprained left ankle as he landed on that, and landed and twisted his ankle at the end of the game as he was going for a game-tying shot against the Atlanta Hawks a few days ago. Dante Jones, Kobe thought it was, uh, you know, Kobe thought it was dirty. Kobe thought it was a dirty play. Kobe said he Jalen Rosed him in reference to what happened in the NBA Finals uh, many years back, Game 2 of the 2000 NBA Finals, uh, where Jalen Rose, where Kobe took a shot over Jalen Rose, and he felt, you know what, Jalen Rose intentionally put his foot out and tried to injure him and injured him ultimately. He felt Dante Jones did the same thing to him. You know, these two have had some issues. You remember back in 2009, the Western Conference Finals, where Dante Jones tripped Kobe Bryant. So maybe these guys have a little. These guys do have a little history. Not maybe they do have a little history uh, between each other. I don't think you know. Just looking at the play. Well, Mark Jackson, you know, Mark Jackson, the guy who's played in the league for many years and now the coach for the Golden State Warriors. He said it's not a clean play. He believes it was a dirty play. He says he's not sure if Dante Jones did it intentionally, but he certainly did not allow Kobe room to land. And that is number one. The Hawks coach, Larry Drew, disagreed. 
He said he, it was not a dirty play. He said he wouldn't call it a dirty play. I don't think it was done intentionally. I don't think it was. I mean, I, I think Dante Jones tried to make a play on the ball. He tried to prevent Kobe Bryant from tying the game. You know, and, and you know, guys, I mean, we Bruce Bowen over the years, many have talked about him doing the same type of thing. Many have talked about Bruce Bowen being a dirty player over the years and how Bruce Bowen would sometimes slide under guys. And, you know, when Kobe Bryant talked about he Jalen Rose to me, Jalen Rose did admit that he did try to slide under Kobe in that particular game. He admitted to that. He admitted to that. And, you know, Dante Jones, you know, says, you know, I'm not a dirty player. I didn't intentionally try to hurt Kobe. And Dante Jones was quoted as saying, it would be very hard for me in a nine-second span to be able to play defense and gauge where I could get my foot under his as I'm looking at the ball and trying to contest the jump shot. I think that's a fairly that's a fair point. I mean, I don't think he was really paying attention to that, to be honest with you. I think his ultimate goal, and I'm not putting anything past anybody, but I think his ultimate goal was to try to prevent Kobe Bryant from making the shot. I think he was trying to prevent Kobe from making the shot. He did admit that the trip on Kobe Bryant many years ago, back in 2009, was intentional. But this time, it wasn't intentional. It was not intentional. Mark Jackson called it dirty. Larry Drew said it wasn't. So I guess it depends who you talk to. I think it all comes down to intent in a lot of ways, and I don't think that was his intention to hurt Kobe Bryant. I don't think it was. Could be wrong. I never, you never can get, sometimes you never can get inside a man's head. And that's what it would take for me to figure out whether Dante Jones, what he did, was a dirty play. I'd have to get inside his head. I'd have to sit him down on my couch or on some type of couch and ask him. I have to sit down and ask him. Kobe said he was Jalen Rosed. He was Jalen Rosed. I've never been Jalen Rosed before. But judging by what happens, or judging by the what what happens after you get Jalen Rose, I don't want to get Jalen Rose. Again, Jalen Rose admitted, you know what? I I slid under Kobe. I did that. That was a I purposely did it. Dante Jones says it didn't. He did not purposely do that to Kobe Bryant. The league did come out and say a foul should have been called on that particular play. So the league felt, you know, what a foul should have been called. That's what the league felt. Some, maybe some are calling for Dante Jones to be suspended because of this play. If, if you believe that it was a dirty play, then maybe he should be suspended. If the league can get into Dante Jones's head and 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 say and just look at the tape and and, and say to themselves, you know what, maybe Dante Jones intentionally tried to hurt Kobe, then maybe Dante should be suspended. Maybe Jones should be suspended if the league deems that play as dirty. Maybe he should be suspended. 
And the Lakers, you know, it, it, you got the sense from the Lakers, and I, I'm not – I don't want to overreact here because here's the reality. The Lakers, the teams that they have been beaten over these past few weeks, you know, the, these teams that they've beaten are not the who's who's in the NBA. They're, they're, they're not the who's who's in the NBA. They're just not. They're, they're not the top teams in the NBA, the teams that the Lakers have beaten over these past few weeks. They're just not. Kobe's playing. He's suited up and he's playing in Indiana right now. And his Lakers are up 46 to 40 in the second quarter. So Kobe is back. The Mamba is back. So he didn't miss any time. You thought when you heard a severely sprained ankle that, you know what, Kobe might miss some time. And you also thought, you know what, the Lakers making it to the playoffs may not be happening. Maybe now they'll fall off. But the Lakers have been playing some good basketball. They really have. But, again, don't overreact because let me tell you who they've beaten. Let's start on February 28th. They beat the, uh, the Timberwolves, came back, beat the Hawks, got blown out by the by OKC, beat New Orleans, beat Toronto, beat Chicago, decent team, beat Orlando. So, you know, let's not get giddy about the way the Lakers have been playing. Yes, they seem to be playing better, but you know what? This is a team that still is a little too inconsistent for my liking. This is a team that still struggles against the top teams in the Western Conference, and yeah, I, I I get the sense in general as a whole we're 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 looking for the, we're we're kind of just searching for the lake for good things from the Lakers. We're 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 hoping that the Lakers in some respect can turn this thing around. I mean Dwight Howard we're, we talked about his performance against Orlando the other night, thirty nine points, twenty five for thirty nine from the free throw line. When did sixty some odd percent become good? From the foul line. When the, when the, I guess when, it's, when you're talking about the White Howard, it becomes good. But when, as a whole, do we celebrate 65%, 63% from the foul line? When, when do we start, start celebrating that? To me, that's just the byproduct of us trying and wanting and hoping that the Lakers will turn it around. Do I want to see the Lakers make the playoffs? Of course I do. Yes, I do. It's good for the league. If it's good for the league, I want to see it happen for the most part. I would love to see the Lakers make it to the playoffs. I would. I really would. Do I think they will? I do. I, I think I look, looking at their schedule, looking at the Utah Jazz schedule, I like the way the, the schedule falls for the Lakers. But, of course, Kobe has to be healthy for all that to happen. And, again, he is on the court tonight against the Indiana Pacers, and the Indiana Pacers have been playing well, very, very well. And we're talking – when we talk – we. Talked about the heat streak, and we talked about as well as they're pl- how well they're playing. But we're forgetting about the Denver Nuggets, who are playing some big time basketball out west. Big time basketball. They've won nine in a row. So we're talking about the we're, we're you know we're talking about the Miami Heat, some of the great things that they're doing. And we're forgetting about the great things that the Denver Nuggets have been doing over the past few weeks, playing some big time basketball, running a lot of people out of their building running a lot of people out of their building, the Denver Nuggets, running teams out of their building. 
And another team that's been playing well, they played the Grizzlies tonight. Another team that's kind of fallen under the radar because of uh, what's going on with the Miami Heat. I mean, I, I said the Denver Nuggets won nine in a row. They actually won ten in a row. But we're forgetting about the Memphis Grizzlies who have won six in a row and who's been a very good team since Rudy Gay left. So we're, we're talking about the Heat and everything, but we're forgetting about the Grizzlies, forgetting about the Nuggets, and, and how well those two teams have been playing. You know, we've been talking about the Lakers a lot, and we're forgetting about the Nuggets, we're forgetting about the Grizzlies, and we're focusing on the Lakers and the, the Heat and their streak. But the Grizzlies and the Nuggets, two teams that face off tonight, have really been playing some big-time basketball. Really been playing some big-time basketball of late. Big-time basketball. So we'll see. But let's not forget about the Grizzlies. Let's not forget about the Nuggets. And let's not forget about the San Antonio Spurs, who won 50 games again. 50 games again for the San Antonio Spurs. It's amazing. They're just the, the pillar of just excellence, a commitment to excellence. That's not the Raiders. That's the San Antonio Spurs. That's no longer the Raiders. That is the San Antonio Spurs. That is the San Antonio Spurs. They are the team that's committed to excellence. The San Antonio Spurs. Let's bring him in now. On the line, we have the promoter for Tyson Fury as he prepares for his big bout April 20th against Steve Cunningham, Mick Hennessy. Mick, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Now, Mick Tyson, he's making his American debut April 20th against Steve Cunningham. You're his promoter. How excited are you now to bring him across the pond and to debut him in, in the United States? Uh, I can't put words to it. I'm, I'm very, very excited. It's, uh, it's a dream come true for me as a promoter and, and Tyson as a fighter. Um, you know, for him to make his U.S. debut at, headlining at Madison Square Garden and on NBC Network TV, it, it just doesn't get any better. So we are very, very excited, and this is going to be a hell of a show. Now, we saw a fellow Brit, David Price, a few weeks back get knocked out by Tony Thompson. A lot of hype about David Price. What makes Tyson Fury different? I'll tell you what makes him different. The fact that I've given him a, I've given him a proper education and the right nurturing with the right opponents all throughout his career. He's okay. step by step, he's been stepped up at the right, gradually and at the right time. And he's had tests all along the way. He's had the right sparring, he's travelled around, he's been to various camps all around the world. He's fought the best heavyweights. He's, he's had a proper education. He really, really has had a first-class heavyweight education, and he's going to shock a hell of a lot of people at Madison Square Garden on April 20th. I can promise you that. And I heard a lot of I heard Tyson Fury say this. He said, you know what, in order for me to get Klitschko and in order for me to impress the American public, I have to knock Steve Cunningham out. Do you believe that to be true? I don't, um, I don't believe that to be true because... Um, you know, look, if, if the knockout comes, it comes. But, you know, Steve Cunningham is a, a first-class fighter. He's a master boxer. He's, uh, he's a lot bigger than people think. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's down to six foot three, but I see him stood next to Tyson today and he looked a lot bigger to me. And as I say, he's a master boxer. 
He's not someone to take lightly. So if Tyson outclassed him over 12 rounds, I would be absolutely delighted. If the knockout comes, then sensational. But, you know, this is elite heavyweight boxing, and you can't take anything for granted. And if you go looking for a knockout, you know, 99 times out of 100, it won't come. So, no, we, we, we are looking to do a master class, whether it be points or, or whether it be by stoppage on April the 20th. We're talking to the promoter for Tyson Fury, Mick Hennessy, as Tyson Fury prepares for his big bout April 20th on NBC against Steve Cunningham. Now, you talked about Madison Square Garden. You talked about New York City. Madison Square Garden is the mecca of boxing. What does Tyson know about Madison Square Garden? What has he said about Madison Square Garden? Well, from from we've been on a long journey together since uh, 2008, myself and Tyson. And one of the things he's always talked about consistently is fighting at Madison Square Garden. He's, uh, he's a bit of a historian himself. He loves the sport, especially heavyweight boxing. There's, you know, you can ask him, you know, any question. He's, he's normally very well briefed on it. And um, it's a big deal to him. It means a hell of a lot. You know, he's 24. Um, he loves the sport. He's a heavyweight. He, 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 knows, he knows the history and what it means to, 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 to headline at the Garden. So... You know, he's, he's, he's over the moon, so am I. Now, Tony Thompson, after he beat David Price, called out Tyson Fury. If Fury gets past Cunningham, is Tony Thompson next? Well, look, this is, uh, this is for the number two spot in the IBF ratings, and the winner fights the leading contender to be mandatory for Vladimir Klitschko. That's the schedule we're on. That's the, you know... We're not going to let anything interfere with that. If by chance there is a delay and we can make a voluntary, uh, you know, we can we can take a fight in the interim, then yeah, I'm sure uh, Tyson will will uh, will will take take the likes of Thompson on, and I'm sure he'll take him out in style. Now, Tyson Fury, 24 years old. When do you, and we know who is at the top of the heavyweight division? It's the Klitschkos. When do you expect Tyson Fury? to be at the top of the heavyweight division? I expect him, you know, we've, we've gone this IPF route because the WBC situation is so unsure. Vitaly doesn't know whether he's retiring, whether he's going to continue fighting. So as far as I'm concerned, we're two, fight away, two fights away from being Vladimir's mandatory. So I would see very worst ways okay. fighting Vladimir Klitschko within a year. So I would see him being, you know, champion with definitely within a year and unifying the titles within 18 months. Now, you believe that he will be ready. You feel he will be ready in about a year to beat one of the Klitschkos? I believe he is ready right now. Right now, okay. Right, right now, now to be one of the Klitschkos. And the reason the fight's not happening with the Klitschkos is because they believe the same. They know the same. It's, it's one thing looking at Tyson Fury... A year ago or 18 months ago, when he was, you know, a fat heavyweight, he was, they weren't conditioned. But it's a different story now when you look at him and he's, he's in great shape and he's conditioned and he's six foot nine. And, um, you know, people were prepared to take him on 18 months ago, but now it's a different story. They don't want to know. So, um, fair play to Steve Cunningham. He's a warrior and he's, uh, he's a, he's a fighter who's made a skill because the biggest fight in the division, in the heavyweight division right now, bar none, Worldwide, it's Vladimir Klitschko and Tyson Fury. And the fact that they 
we've made it clear that Tyson would fight Vladimir and ask to sit down at the negotiating table and they haven't entertained it, tells you that they want no part of Tyson. Now, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm, but I'm going to ask, ask it anyway. What will happen April 20th at Madison Square Garden? Who will win the fight? I think you're going to see, while it lasts you, I think you're going to see a spectacular event. But I honestly believe that Tyson is going to take Steve Cunningham out within nine rounds. Okay. Nine rounds. Now, nine do, you, rounds. do you have a specific, is there a specific round within those nine rounds that you believe the knockout will happen? Uh, there, there isn't, but, um, yeah, put it this way, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes down a few times during that. Yeah, during those okay. rounds. Okay. I, I, I so just know that Tyson's at the top of his game. He's he's in superb shape physically and mentally, and you're going to see something very special at the Garden. I'm absolutely sure of that. The fight is April 20th. Tyson Fury, Steve Cunningham at Madison Square Garden. If you're not at the Garden, make sure you check it out on NBC, 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Check it out. Tyson Fury, Steve Cunningham. Mick, a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward, and let's do it again. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Mick Hennessy, promoter for Tyson Fury. And we were supposed to have Tyson Fury on. We weren't able uh, to get it done. But we were, we were going to have him on, and hopefully we can have him on possibly after a fight against Steve Cunningham. But we've we were efforting him, and we we had it scheduled and everything, but it just didn't work out. But we did talk to his promoter, uh, Mick Hennessy, and it should be an interesting fight. I mean, Tyson Fury possibly could be the future of the heavyweight division, and, you know, you always want the heavyweight division, you always want the heavyweight belt to be here in America. But so far, no one has stepped up. No one has taken it from the Klitschko's, and that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to take it from the Klitschko's, Vitaly and Vladimir Klitschko. But we wish Tyson Fury, Mick Hennessy, nothing but the best of luck moving forward. A lot of great things to watch this weekend in the world of sports. A lot of great things to watch. Basketball, you got the Heat, you got WBC baseball, you got even a little tennis to watch this weekend. And to talk about it, let's bring in let's bring in now TV insider, the one, the only, Brian Sheriff. Brian, how are you, man? Good, Paul. Good to be with you again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And Brian, let's start with the WBC. I mean, we saw a lot of emotion last night. Dominican Republic. USA, I mean, that was a very emotional game, a very interesting game. Do you think people are finally catching up and watching the WBC? I hope so. I thought I was watching the World Cup last night. <laughs> I mean, the Dominicans play with a lot of emotion. Hey, you know, that is not, that's sort of taboo when it comes to MLB. So baseball fans right. here are not used to seeing that. But uh, but here's the here's the deal. You're watching these games, and MLB Network is doing a t- terrific job televising all these games. ESPN Deportes as well. But you're watching these games, and you're familiar with all of these names. You mentioned Reyes, Ibar, 
Fernando, I mean the, the relief pitcher from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. And, you know, all these guys are very familiar, and to see them, but they come in, they play with a chip on their shoulder. It's good nature for the most part. I thought the victory last night, which you, you alluded to earlier, the celebration after the game, it actually bordered, though, Paul, on a little bit over the top. I mean, I haven't read all of the press releases today, but I, I think it got close to being over the top for this reason. For a, and, and, again, the television, I think, covered it well. I thought uh, I thought they covered it well. But in a game that was a, uh, a game that got you into the semifinals, you don't like to see that type of celebration right. too early. Too early. And I thought they were, you know, they were celebrating beating the USA. Hey, listen, the USA is playing right now. They're playing Puerto Rico. Dominican is beat. Uh, they're on MLB Network right now. Dominican has beat both of these teams. This game is to play Dominican again tomorrow, so that'll be a very interesting game tomorrow. Uh, so that that game will be on one o'clock tomorrow, one o'clock Eastern, uh, on MLB Network, and that that's what they're playing this modified uh, a double elimination system. So the winner tonight. And, again, USA is playing Puerto Rico right now. The winner tonight, the loser gets eliminated. So the USA okay. can be out tonight. The winner plays Dominican Republic tomorrow for a seeding process in San Francisco. So uh, it, it's basically an extra game. They both advance to the semis. And the winner plays Japan – I'm sorry, the Loser plays Japan on Sunday in San Francisco. And the winner plays the Netherlands on Monday in San Francisco, both night games. So the game tomorrow, the winner today, and I know this is very difficult to explain, and that's one of the issues with this tournament. Nobody right. can explain it, including me right now. But basically right. the, game, you know, the winner tonight plays for a seeding for a day off on Sunday. So okay. I'm hoping the United States, right now the game, they're playing Puerto Rico. It's in the bottom of the fifth inning right now. Puerto Rico is up one nothing, And Puerto Rico is not. It's a very tough team as well. So uh, we'll see WBC. what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. And, I mean, I, I think if you're the WBC, you're probably rooting for the USA to get to the finals. That's what you want to see. Yeah. I, well, you, yeah, they have to get this game tonight. You know they have right. to. You know they have to get this game tonight. I think, hey, tomorrow, even though both teams will be advancing, that will be a terrific rematch tomorrow. Because Definitely. again, hey, you know we have pride here, and DR celebrated. Like I said, they celebrated a little too much for my taste. Right. Uh, you know, yesterday. So that that's the game. Let's get this game tonight. And let's get the USA in there tomorrow against DR. And, again, both teams are going to the semifinals in San Francisco. But this will be a statement game. It will be a statement game tomorrow. Definitely, definitely. And we'll see what happens. PGA Tour, Tiger, Roy, they take the week off. Are we watching? No reason to watch this weekend. No reason. Tampa Bay Classic. I'm not sure. They're in Tampa Bay. Uh, both the, the two, number one and number two seed are off this weekend. So you got Tiger coming back 
next weekend on Golf Channel and NBC at the Bay Hill Classic. Tournament he has won seven times. He owns that course down there. And Rory will come back in two weeks, week before the Masters, at the Houston Open. Okay. So no reason to watch golf this weekend. So let's let's all take a week off. Take a week off from the PGA Tour. <laughs> now, basketball. And, you know, March Madness, obviously that's going to be big time. A lot of people are going to be watching what's going on, championship week, championship week of course. But something that's kind of stealing the headlines other than NFL free agency is the Miami Heat. I mean, they're on this big-time win streak, 20 games, could be 21 after tonight. Are people going to be watching the Miami Heat over college basketball possibly? No, no, absolutely. They, they steal the headlines, and you correctly said it earlier. They, uh, you couldn't pick a better team to get on this run. Hey, right. five or six years ago when the Houston Rockets went on their run, I, they're at 22, by the way. The Houston Rockets, the second, large, the right. second longest. But when they went on that run, it wasn't the same, Paul. It, it no. wasn't even close. They went on that run late in the season. It was surprising. And nobody seemed to care about that. In fact, they messed up the seeding process in the West that year, if I remember right. So they had to reprint tickets. This is different here. This is completely different. Now, let's talk about this. They're starting with their tipping right now in Milwaukee. You said that. This is on Sun Sports and League Pass. So fans need to get their League Pass subscription for the next week. <laughs> they, go to, they go to Toronto. They go to Toronto. Now, tonight would be 21. They go to Toronto on Sunday, nationally televised, north of the border, by the way. Canadians right. get excited. They get excited about two things, hockey and basketball when it is at its absolute best, and that's it. And they're going to get a big game up there. TSN 2 will cover this game on Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern. And I know you have predicted this is when they might fall. That's going to be I a think so. Game. Yeah, okay. Now, hey, let's get them through Canada. Monday night on ESPN, they're at Boston. Now, this is why this game, and that's 8 o'clock Eastern. This game is so big. You do read the Paul Pierce quotes, and I guess there's been some type of uh, back and forth between Pierce and LeBron and Pierce and, and uh, Wade. But uh, he's made statements this week saying that uh, basically they're going to have to come into Boston. They get out of Boston. I hope they lose every game, including ours, for the rest of the season. So that's going to be a huge game for ESPN Monday night. At 8 o'clock Eastern, Boston would be going for 23. Uh, Excuse me. Miami would be going for 23 in Boston. Now, I hope that it does get to Boston. I hope it gets to 30. Heck, I even hope they break it. I, I mean, I just think it would be just very, very interesting. I think it would be great for the game. I hope they do it. I don't think they will. I think this is an unbreakable record. I really do. I mean, we look at the Heat. They still have to win 13 more to equal the record. That's a lot of games to win in a row. I don't think it happens. I hope it does, yeah. but I don't think it does. Yeah, but, you know, I, yeah, it's one of these things you, you're reminded of possibly for those fans that remember Pete Rose going after Joe DiMaggio back right. in the 80s. It gets exciting. It, it really does get exciting. 
And uh, just like you said, I mean, every game has become a big game. Now he goes back to Cleveland on Wednesday night. By the way, that game is on League Pass as well because, uh, uh, well, the Wednesday night ESPN is not picking up that game. So, you know, each game is going to be very exciting. From the television standpoint, hey, guys that televise these games, they get up for these games. This Definitely. is going to be, you know, one, one ride. And I'll tell you what, you mentioned the big three. I like the rest of this team as well. You got a Chalmers, you got a Battier, you got guys that can. I mean, Ray Allen. Nobody even mentioned these guys, you know. And this is the type of team that the, the we're talking America's team here. Everybody yeah. can relate to this team. Everybody can relate to this team, and uh, so it'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun television. And you, you get the sense that America's starting to turn towards the Miami Heat. Before they were against them, they hated them. I'm getting the sense that it's starting to be a little turn towards the Heat right now. You know, I think so. And I, I think it's all about LeBron and the way he's uh, perceived now. Uh, and what a difference a couple of years make. Definitely. And Definitely. Uh, somebody said, I heard the other day that somebody said LeBron is like Dorian Gray. When he came in the league at 19 years old, he looked like he was 40. <laughs> now in his late now in his late twenties, he looks like a teenager again because he's got all the pressure off his back. Definitely, and that, that's true. And I and I think a lot of people relate to that. I mean, the guy is great television. I mean, he he's not a ratings driver the way Michael was or the way Tiger no. is today. But but you know what? He's the as we talked a couple of weeks ago. He's the best we have right now, and he's and he's good. getting there. He's getting yeah, there in terms of being. That ratings driver. Yeah. I think he's getting there. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I tell you what, they're going to drive ratings this week. Definitely, definitely. We're talking to TV insider Brian Sheriff, telling us what to watch this weekend in the world of sports. And Brian, of course, it's March Madness, and we seem to forget about it because of NFL free agency, because of the Miami Heat. But it is March Madness. It is Championship Week. We got the selection show coming up on Sunday. How exciting is this time of the year for everybody? Well, I tell you what, when we were at ESPN, Paul, the place turned upside down during this week. Hey, right. but you know what? There's a couple of headlines here that I see. Uh, and, of course, everybody knows, you know, Saturday we have all the conference finals, mostly on ESPN, the Big 12 final, the Pac-12 final late at night there. But, you, you know, all attention has really – turn to Madison Square Garden in the Big East final, because this is the final year uh, of that. So a lot of attention. Definitely. I saw the setup earlier. Right now, Syracuse and Georgetown are playing. So they did, ESPN did a terrific tease coming on the air tonight, setting up this game with Bayheim and the senior John Thompson talking about all the great games that they've had during this tournament. So, I mean, if you have to pick out one show to watch, I'd say on Saturday, watch Big East Final, um, 8.30 Eastern on ESPN. It's something that, hey, of all the tournaments we did during this championship week, we really poured our hearts into the Big East Final. So something we'll catch special. that tomorrow. Yeah, Always absolutely. something special about the Big East. Yeah. And it's the final year of it. So, oh, as we know it, I should say. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a good point. 
Go to ESPN. Check it out. It's, the, it's Big East basketball. It's nothing like it. Nothing like Big East basketball. And, of course, you know, the selection show is on Sunday. But after that, we have March Madness, and we have all the various networks involved in it, Turner, obviously CBS as well. Talk about some of the assignments, the announcer assignments for this upcoming tournament. Well, you know, believe it or not, we're in the third year of this new deal. And we'll we'll remember that when this new deal was created, uh, CBS had had the tournament forever. And uh, when they went to uh, join forces with, some would say the NBA, but TNT and Turner, (laughs) then we got, you you know, so now the tournament is on for networks. I'm not going to sit here and try to explain how you find these games. You know what I do at home? I put in my favorites, I put the following networks in my favorite channels on my system. CBS, <laughs> TNT, okay. PBS, and, yes, True TV. <laughs> True TV, absolutely. It, they're best known for uh, the pawn shop show. <laughs> pawn stars. <laughs> no, there's an opportunity for Turner to promote uh, all of their networks. True TV actually is carrying the two, the first round games. They used to be called the play-in games out of Dayton mm-hmm. on Tuesday and Wednesday night. So now with the 68 teams, they're going to do a game on Tuesday night and Wednesday night from Dayton, Ohio, basically to to establish uh, two of the 16 seeds. But okay. get back to, the, you know, the, and what they've done in this, is they combined talent. And, again, there was a lot of uh, speculation on whether this would work, but uh, whether you could put, you know, uh, Greg Gumbel with the NBA guys. And, I, for my opinion, from the way it's worked the last couple of years, I think it's terrific. Uh, it's okay. And, okay. Yeah, no, I, I really think uh, it, it, they've done well. Greg Gumbel, the studio host will be Greg Gumbel, Ernie Johnson, Matt Weiner. Okay. Uh, studio analyst Greg Anthony was terrific. Yeah. Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, Seth Davis, and Steve Smith. Now, you know, and they've done a they've done a great job. You know, there was some that would thought that can Charles Barkley. I know he went to college. We know he went to Auburn. But can Charles Barkley is so associated with the NBA? What would he be like on college basketball? Guess what? He's been terrific. Just like Charles. No, I not bad at all. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so those are going to be the studio guys. They've established eight announcer teams uh, led by Jim Nance and Clark Kellogg, who will also, of course, do the final four, and they'll be joined by uh, Steve Kerr. Their second team, and they do go in order here, their second team is Marv Albert, Steve Kerr, Craig Sager on the sidelines. Third team, a favorite of mine, Vern Lundquist, Bill Raftery. Hey, these two combined, I added it up, have called 49 tournaments. That's how long they've been working together. Yeah, they've been going it at a long time. Vernon Lundquist, I I can remember a long time ago. I I, I do like him. You can tell I like Vernon Lundquist. I think he's terrific. (laughs) But uh, he's he's famous for a lot of calls, the masters, and a, a lot of things. But I can remember Vern Lundquist calling a Duke game when Grant Hill was playing. And actually, at that time, just to let you know how long he's been at it, he announced on the air as he was calling Grant Hill. He told a story about 
how he when he called a Dallas Cowboy game 19 years earlier, Calvin Hill, Grant's father, was a running back. And he actually announced the birth of Grant on the air while calling a Cowboy game. Wow. That's a great so, story. Yeah, yeah, that, that's birth. So, anyway, the four team would be Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, and Lynn Elmore. Then you get into the uh, Iron Eagle working with Jim Spernarkle. New Jersey okay. fans will know those two. Uh, Brian Anderson and Dan Bonner. Uh, Tim Brando is with Mike Jemisky. And Spiro Ditas is with Doug Gottlieb. And that's the other slight headline. Doug Gottlieb is actually replacing, uh, he's new. Uh, so right. he is uh, new. And they, a former ESPN person that uh, mm-hmm. is real big on CBS is pushing him on the radio. He does radio commentary. So that, that's the lineup. That's the March Madness lineup. Do you miss Billy Packer? Uh, I think Kellogg has been a um, very good replacement. I I can tell you that when I heard Packer's voice, it sort of sounded like the tournament to me. Yes, it is synonymous uh, with yeah, the tournament, it, it, definitely. Yeah, it gave you that feel. I didn't agree with uh, everything that, you know, Packer would occasionally, uh, you know, I wouldn't say get in trouble. But Packer would occasionally get close to uh, – he was close to some coaches and wasn't close to other coaches, let me put it that way. Right. Um, but but you, you know what? Anytime you have to follow somebody like that that it was that established, as Nance did when he followed Musburger. Right. You know, it's very, very difficult to do that because of the pressure. But I think Clark Kellogg has really done a great job. Now – a lot of basketball on, obviously. But if you're not into basketball and you want to switch over and watch a little tennis, you got the ATP, ATP Tour, Indian Wells. You got some big names there, including the number one guy, Novak Djokovic. Still unbeaten in 2013, Brian. Tell us about it. Yeah, Will you, people be watching you know, it? You know yeah, but you know what? I'll tell you what. It's. You know, there's two straight scores. Miami's got 20, and Djokovic has won 22 in a row, 17 this year. And uh, all all of the guns are out there. They're out here in Indian Wells. This is a, a huge tournament. Uh, probably you'd call it the sixth or seventh major. I'm, I'm not sure. But it's a 10-day tournament, men's and women's. And ESPN2 will uh, be covering this tournament. But... Uh, you know, the headline, obviously, like you said, is uh, Djokovic, who's on this winning streak. He's a clear number one and really putting distance between himself and the number two, who's Roger Federer, one of the greatest players mm-hmm. of all time, if not the greatest right. player of all time. But uh, uh, but the other headline is uh, Rafael Nadal has returned to the tour. Now, you'll remember mm-hmm. that he missed, he missed the last seven months last year, so he's playing very well. In fact, he beat Federer last night. So they're looking at... Uh, a real nice semifinal. Uh, Djokovic won again today. So we're looking at, well, Nadal will be in one semifinal tomorrow, and you'll have Djokovic in the other semifinal. And those are on ESPN3 is actually covering this. ESPN News and ESPN3 Saturday semifinals, followed by the Sunday will be the men's and women's finals on ESPN2. So if you get a little tired of basketball, switch over to some tennis. And 
yeah. see another guy on the streak, Novak Djokovic. So switch on over, watch a little tennis on ESPN3. Brian, a pleasure as always. I know you're on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Yeah, thanks, Paul. It's at Brian Sheriff, B-R-I-A-N-S-H-E-R-R-I-F-S-E, at Brian Sheriff. Fans connect with this man. He talks TV like no other and knows TV like no other. Brian, pleasure having you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. And as always, let's do it again. Thanks, Paul. Brian Sheriff, what to watch this weekend in the world of sports. There's a lot to watch, a lot to see. Check it out, check it out, check it out. I want to go back to the NFL and Kevin Cobb. Kevin Cobb released by the Arizona Cardinals. And when I, when, when I saw, you know, let's go back a couple years ago, after the lockout when uh, the Eagles and the Cardinals came together, traded Kevin Cobb to the Philadelphia, to the uh, Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals were desperate at the time. They needed a quarterback. They needed a guy who could, you know, before they had Derek Anderson who stunk to join up. They needed somebody to throw the ball to Larry Fitzgerald. They needed somebody to throw the ball, throw the ball to Larry Fitzgerald. And the guy that was expected to lead the Arizona Cardinals into the future was Kevin Cobb. Well, Kevin Cobb was finally released today by the Arizona Cardinals. He cost them a lot of money. I mean, they gave so much money to Kevin Cobb, $20 million in, over the last two years for Kevin Cobb. He stole money from the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, Kevin Cobb at the time when they made the the, the, the trade with the Philadelphia Eagles, at the time, I thought it was a bad deal. I mean, Kevin Cobb couldn't stay healthy with the Eagles. I mean, he lost his starting job because he couldn't stay healthy, was concussed. He lost his job the first game of the season against the Green Bay Packers. He was concussed by Clay Matthews, and Michael Vick took over, and we all know what happened back in 2010 with Michael Vick. But anyway, Kevin Cobb. You know, with the Arizona Cardinals over these past two years, I mean, he lost his job to John Scout, who is not one of the who's who's in the NBA and the NFL as a quarterback. He's just not. So he lost his job to John Scout. Kevin Cobb, you know, he couldn't stay healthy. And even when he was healthy, he wasn't all that great to begin with. Even when he couldn't stay healthy, he wasn't great to begin with. Granted, he got off to a decent start. Granted, they got off to a 4-0 start. But the thing about it is, I mean, in two seasons with Arizona, 17 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. I mean, he could not stay healthy. He just could not stay healthy. And even when he was healthy, he wasn't really all that good. This is a guy now, $20 million in salary and bonuses over the past two years from the Arizona Cardinals. $20 million really doesn't get you what it used to get you. I mean, $20 million gets you, well, got the Arizona Cardinals, hot garbage. 17 touchdowns and 11 interceptions over that time in 15 games. 
So that's an average of what? Seven and a half games a year, some due to injury, some due to ineffective play. Kevin Cobb just could not stay healthy. And granted, he got the Arizona Cardinals off to a decent start last year. But was that because of Kevin Cobb or was that because of that Cardinal defense? I mean, that Cardinal defense carried that team through the early part of the season. And then the wheels just fell off for the Cardinals after that. But Kevin Cobb is out there in the market. A lot of people think that the Jets may make a run at Kevin Cobb. Probably not a bad idea when your quarterback is Mark Sanchez. Probably not a bad idea when your quarterback is Mark Sanchez. And also probably not a bad idea when your quarterback is David Garrard, who's coming off of injury, hasn't played in two years. So you're bringing in a guy that hasn't played in two years, and you also have Mark Sanchez there. So I look at Kevin Cobb. I look at the move by the Arizona Cardinals to bring in Kevin Cobb two years ago. I thought it was a bad deal at the time. I thought they grossly overpaid for Kevin Cobb at the time. It turns out I was right. What is Kevin Cobb? Kevin Cobb, I guess, is a good back, a great backup to an okay, an okay quarterback, okay starting quarterback. You know, I don't know, you know, how he's. I mean, low level starter, very good backup in the NFL. Low level starter, very good backup. That's the way I view Kevin Cobb. In terms of in the in terms of uh, his play in the NFL, that's the way I view him. And I look at this whole situation with Kevin Cobb and the Arizona Cardinals, and it comes down to desperation. Sometimes when you're desperate, desperate people do des- desperate things at desperate times. And when you do desperate things at desperate desperate times, you make bad decisions. And that was a bad decision by the Cardinals. And I know at the time, you wanted a quarterback for Larry Fitzgerald. I know at the time, Derek Anderson stunk up the joint for you. I, I, I understand all that. So you needed to make some kind of plunge. You needed to, to do something to keep Larry Fitzgerald happy. You needed to do something ultimately. You needed a quarterback. And Kevin Cobb was the guy that they thought would lead them into the future. Obviously, Kevin Cobb, only 28 years old, will get another shot somewhere. Obviously, not for that same type of money. Of course, not for that same type of money. Not for that same type of money. I don't think there's a a team dumb enough. You have to be beyond stupid for anybody to bring in a Kevin Cobb again. You have to be beyond for that money, for that price tag. Obviously, you're not going to get that price tag, but... We'll see. The Jets, obviously, uh, there's, there was, I don't know if they have interest, but a lot of people think he, he could end up with, with the Jets. They need a quarterback. I, I think it's kind of telling that I know Andy Reid you know, has Alex Smith, and Alex Smith at this point has proven to be an upgrade over Kevin Cobb, but is he that much of an upgrade over Kevin Cobb? I know Alex Smith has had some success, but let's not forget Alex Smith early in his career. Let's not forget – Alex Smith, even, what, three years ago before Jim Harbaugh came. I mean, he had a hard time keeping his job under Mike Singletary. So let's not forget, and let's not be so quick to call 
Kevin, uh, not Kevin Cobb, Alex Smith a savior. Let's not be so quick to do that. Please don't. Please don't. So we'll see. But I think it is kind of telling that Andy Reid did not, and I don't, did not make a, uh, a run at Kevin Cobb, being that he was the guy that drafted him, being that he was the guy that was supposed to take over for Donovan McNabb. But I look around the league. Buffalo got rid of Ryan Fitzpatrick, their only quarterback right now, Savaris Jackson. They could be in the market for a quarterback. You have, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> I said Buffalo. Cleveland, obviously, with Derek, we- Derek uh, Brandon Whedon seemed to be okay, but I don't know how good he is. Jacksonville, team that could be in could be looking for a quarterback. Even Oakland, a team that could be looking for a quarterback. I know they have Carson Palmer, and you want to talk about bad acquisitions and bad trades, and that's and you want to talk about desperation and what desperation does to people. I mean, desperate people do desperate things at def- desperate times, and within all that desperation comes bad decisions. I want to end the show now. Uh, Michael Vick, I know. Uh, Apparently, he was set to do a book tour, and his book tour was canceled because of death threats, because of threats. And I look at that, and, you know, I say to myself, why? I mean, the guy has paid his debt to society. The guy has went to prison. He's paid his fines, and he's doing work within the community uh, and talking about dogfighting with the Humane Society. You know, he's doing work in the community. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, how long are you going to hold on to this? I mean, how long are we going to hold on to this? You know what I mean? He paid his debt to society. And I love dogs just as much as an X-Man. But if, if it comes down to a human life and a dog life, obviously I'm going to choose a human life. But the thing about it is this. This is a guy who's paid his debt to society. He did his time. And seemingly he's a different guy. Seemingly he's doing all the things necessary to become a better person. He's not perfect, of course. Who is? But when are we going to let this guy alone? When are we going to let this guy live his life? When are we going to let Michael Vick live his life? What does he have to do now to live his life? What does he have to do? He owns a dog now, so he has a family pet. What does he have to do? Obviously, what he did many years ago is inexcusable, but it was many years ago. And he's paid his debt to society. He went to jail. He did his time. It's time to leave him alone. He's doing work within the community. He's fighting against dog fighting with the Humane Society. He's telling his story. Leave the man alone. Let him live. Let him live. I think it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. (coughs) Excuse me. Ridiculous.
excuse me, I had to go to break there. <sighs> Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. You can listen to this show. Mm. Excuse me. I think I just lost my voice. See you later. Bye. Uh-huh.